0: Welcome to On the Edge of Equity, where every episode features crucial conversations centered on equity, diversity, and inclusion. But this isn't just talking the talk. It's about inspiring action, asking tough questions, and getting honest answers, because that's the only way that real change happens.
1: Welcome to another edition of On the Edge of Equity which is powered by Athena Communications, here we have the crucial conversations that are centered on equity, diversity, inclusion, all things community, and so much more. And we're not just about having the conversations that are about talk. It is about inspiring action. And so we are so very excited. I am excited to have The guests that I have this morning with me, I have had a number of conversations uh, when we launched our podcast uh, not too long ago. uh, We were having conversations with leaders and individuals in the community that um, I am privileged to share space with, share love with. Share concerned uh, about community, and so I just want to warmly welcome my friend, my sister, Lauren Feaster. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Good
2: morning. I am so excited to be here with you.
1: I am so excited that you are here. I want to do just you know I'm going to let you freestyle on your background, uh, but I just want to to acknowledge that as I have been thinking about, and you and I were sharing this a little bit off mic about why these conversations matter and the kind of conversations that we wanted to have really rooted in this deep commitment and honor of community. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's so important that we have these conversations. You know, people call them courageous conversations, maybe, but they're necessary and crucial conversations. So I just want to welcome my friend Lauren Feaster to this podcast. She currently serves as the chief executive officer of Professional Dimensions, which is one of Milwaukee's premier organizations for women and certainly one of my favorite professional and personal ways to connect with other women. I'm a proud PD member. That's right. You were appointed to this position, I don't think it was months ago, I feel like you have embarked on a couple anniversaries or close to Mm -hmm. it, but starting during that global pandemic and then in the middle of a massive racial reckoning, not with black folks, but with the rest of the world. That's right. So let's be clear about that. (laughs) That's
2: right. That's right.
1: (laughs) So for an organization that excels at providing dynamic in-person spaces for women, but also a place that prioritizes the experience of black women. And as you connect and thrive to the city's most diverse women's organization, what has this journey meant to you? What has that been like?
2: Yes, let's just start with the <laughs> very heavy question and an important one, Tammy. I just appreciate being here, so thank you for this platform to talk and process. And I and I am definitely a process as I talk person. Mm-hmm. So this is very therapeutic. For me, just even being asked that question and, and given the opportunity to talk about it. Words that come to mind when I think about stepping into that role, intimidating, challenging, humbling in a lot of ways, definitely a learning opportunity, which I welcome. Invigorating in its own right, emotionally taxing and inspiring and while those words might feel like they're on different sides of a spectrum, all very true at the same time. And I think that that summarizes a lot of people's pandemic and racial reckoning experience. It was highs, lows, medium, all within minutes of each other. And I think that leading like that was very new for me. There was like challenge and privilege in the fact that I wasn't building anything from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, I was building upon decades of effort and excellence and pushing that had happened well before me and the beauty in that was that there was a foundation there was an example and the challenge in that is that there were new conditions that we had to be built for sure which i think gets to your point about even the racial reckoning while that's always been something throughout the course of history that's been true to the united states it was coming up in just what felt like a different way or maybe yeah. this is just my first time you know um, really being in, in that type of position and that's where we were being called to be different as an organization. And that requires more change to be different. And that change was happening during a time when folks longed for something consistent and not changing. Like if people wanted to, people in all of this confusion were looking for something to just be stable. And Mm -hmm. like, that wasn't what professional dimensions could be for people in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. And so I think that I was challenged in helping one, not being hard on myself about that, and I had to lean on mentors <laughs> like you and others to help put things in context because I think when things are changing, you want to point to something yeah. that's a normal human nature to process and navigate change mm-hmm. and it's easy to point to something that could be new or or different and just say like that this is the reason, and you know maybe it's we have a new leader and like this is why things are the way they are, but not everything was <laughs> necessarily. Some things were, right. and and because we needed to be, some things weren't, and that's just the times. And so I think that did make it kind of challenging sometimes when it came to trying to lead an organization. Mm. Um, and then I'd say the other side is um, just personally as a black woman processing what was happening, but not necessarily being able to just do that in the time that I've had in previous jobs, right? Yeah. Like outside yeah. of the public eye to just... I had to process on a like with a platform, yes, and I had to process with the responsibility still to share opinions that were representative of my body mm. and that I was still getting to know mm. like so I'm like trying to say the right thing, and we had we had very early conversations about this absolutely because we talked about how easy it is to make this was in the era of like the diversity statement, that's right. right? So Absolutely. you know this well. <laughs> yes. And we had that conversation. I remember that vividly. Like, I'm like, how do you do, you know, this is easier to do when you're doing something. That's
1: right. When the commitment is there and the action has already been happening. Yes. Then
2: I'm giving an account of events, right? But like, I couldn't honestly say what's, what I had been doing in those weeks. I think, a we, I think within like a week of, of my joining professional dimensions we had the Jacob Blake shooting so it was like what are we doing you know I'm still learning the organization um, and I have visions about what we want to do but nobody's trying to read a statement about what's gonna you know if if there hasn't been a foundation so I think processing that really I had to lean on my board Mm. and I really had to lean on you know you all the members to to help me come to navigate that so talk a little
1: bit about as you You know, you're talking about this processing. So you enter Mm -hmm. in, you know, this new leadership role at critical times, not just locally, again, significant to the globe because of the pandemic. And I'm always careful to center that rate the racial reckoning Mm -hmm. Pointing specifically to the murder of George Floyd Mm -hmm. awakened the world, but had not awakened people of color or black folks. Right. Like this has been the lived experience. Um, But as you are navigating this role of leading an organization that is not just for black women, Mm -hmm. not just for black people or people of color, but has, you know, diversity. Mm -hmm. What was that processing looking like for you as a leader during that time?
2: Processing was like really just f- trying to find perspective and trying to be patient with the roller coaster of emotions that I was having because those spaces of racial reckoning for everybody else are very painful when you have already been living it, knowing it and seeing it. I think about these, but they're still necessary for so many people too. So that's the hard part, but that's the that's the thing that I feel like so many women and black women specifically Um, are navigating when we go anywhere. It's like there's the work and then there's like everything else around it that we have to show up for. And so it reminds me of like when you do these diversity one-on-one trainings. They're so necessary because these conversations are necessary. But when you are a person in those spaces, it's almost just like a, a trigger because it's like every time somebody sits back and is like, oh yeah, now I learned what a microaggression is. And that's so, wow, I did a lot of that. I should stop. You know, it's like <laughs> yes. you sitting there like,
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, you should. Yes. <laughs> Let's just start there. Yes, you should. Yes, you
2: should. And and so it's like how much can you sit through mm-hmm. and then knowing that you're in an organization. And and I like I said, I'm still getting to know these women, but I know that it's mostly white women. And not wanting to, you know, also recognizing that. I'm on the younger side as mm. well and that that's something that too could be kind of like oh who is this you know person and you know processing from an emotional standpoint and even though we work really hard at professional dimensions to to define what is professional and include the women's ability to feel and have emotion there's still a lot and that's probably a whole nother podcast about the way that we can uphold some of this supremacy culture even as people who don't benefit from it Mm. because we're trying to aspire to like to excellence within a culture that wasn't really like that that looks at excellence as supremacy yes so 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 even in that even with my own even with black women in some cases Mm -hmm. like being able to say like one these opinions that I'm expressing are my own I'm not I'm not coming because I got feedback like that sometimes, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, we're pulling her in this direction, and we're someone's telling her to say blah blah blah, and it's like, no, like I'm listening, mm-hmm. but I also sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, That's and right. and I'm and I'm I believe that I'm here because you all want me to be an independent thinker about some of these things. So that was some of the processing live that I'm doing, considering all the identities that I bring to the leadership position, and how each of those is kind of impacted by the events. Mm-hmm.
1: That's good. I, there's so many layers to what you are talking about re- related to authentic leadership, related to, you know, how do we manage through as a leader of an organization, as a leader of your business,
0: mm-hmm. both
1: what are your personal values And platform and aligning that to the organization that you lead. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit. You know, we've acknowledged that you arrived at PDS as as only the second CEO, but the first woman of color like me. You Mm -hmm. have been born and raised in the great city of Milwaukee, (laughs) a place that I know is near and dear to us. And we acknowledge that, you know, there's challenges that are certainly here Why is serving as PD CEO a way to make this city what we know that it can be?
2: Yeah, a lot of reasons, because like professional dimensions is is my theory of change right now. Like I'm here because I really believe that the time we're in, what PD offers and has the potential to offer based on its history and how it was founded and what it was founded for needs to be the answer. Mm -hmm. When I talk to members, for one, we talk about, one, professional dimensions is kind of like the microcosm of our larger system. It's a place where we get to, it's a sandbox in a lot of ways because we get to to innovate. We get to look at what it takes to advance different types of metrics and goals and we get to fail and we get to learn. Mm -hmm. And the same struggles that we're having happen at at a larger scale. When we have women who are on different sides of the table or women who bring different experiences, how do we navigate that? How do we lead together? To me, the biggest opportunity in professional dimensions is my opportunity to kind of push and cultivate system thinking and system thinkers. That's what I feel like professional dimensions gets to do. I think people don't realize often enough that professional dimensions is a learning organization. And I think we totally have to change the way we think about adult learning. And I know we'll talk a little bit about education later, but that is the through line in all of the organizations I've served with is being able to cultivate leadership yeah. and not just in kind of a traditional. I think there are a lot of different ways to to think about leadership and power. There's like leadership by way of the title. There's leadership by way of like resources that could either be inherited or cultivated in in some way. And then there's like also leadership that comes from the people. And Mm -hmm. there's power in in all of those types of leadership. And then but then the bigger picture is like PD's mission. Like how do we how do we unite these leaders? Yeah. Which to me has been on top of the racial reckoning and on top of quarantine and our pandemic, like a big detriment to the way we move is like our inability to be in community Mm -hmm. and unite our leaders in pursuit of better. And PD holds that space to constantly wrestle with what better needs to be. And we get there by being inclusive and diverse so that we have inclusive and diverse definitions of better. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're just stuck doing the same thing for the same folks. So I think that that's how I look at professional dimensions as a contributor to what we need in this region. You
1: said professional dimensions is the answer. Mm -hmm. You opened up, but Mm -hmm. it is the answer. Mm -hmm. And as a member of the organization that, you know, I've been around a few years, that responsibility, Mm -hmm. whoa, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just resonated like the responsibility, the accountability that we have by our participation in this organization. And, you know, we all are in different spaces and, you know, wear a number of hats, but how you have rooted your work Mm -hmm. and understanding that this organization is the answer. Mm -hmm. It is not the answer for all the things, but it has a accountability role um, in advancing, you know, what is necessary to make our community better. I just want you to talk about, that. (laughs) like, (laughs) like it just struck me like the answer in many ways is rooted in not only, I think the mission of the organization, but certainly in, the makeup of its membership.
2: That's right. Something that I came across in my previous role with Teach for America which sticks with me like it is the most sound kind of theoretical lay like blueprint that I've come across and it talks about what's necessary to to drive systemic change, which is what I think is what what our region needs, which yes. is why I say that PD is an answer in it it's identified kind of three lessons from studying systems change efforts throughout the course of history. So I always like to uplift their work because mm-hmm. I think some people just think that it's a teaching organizations, but Teach for America is a is a systems change mm. organization and yeah. it doesn't, there's always like theory and execution. And I, that's where I feel like PD has a role in this larger execution, but it talks about systems change first, Requiring sustained leadership inside and outside of the system, challenging conventional wisdom and the status quo by demonstrating what's possible. So, one, I look at professional dimensions as an opportunity to do that. Mm. One, sustained leadership. When you think about our boards and the way that we rotate, the way that they, the fact that we have two boards um, and try to develop and use that to cultivate leadership. Yeah, the way that we have a larger brand, which allows women to move in and out of it, but the brand to maintain and stay. Mm. Right. So even when the women move, it's like what PD represents is always there. Yes. Um, I also think about it from a sense of demonstrating what's possible. Right. We need proof points to build momentum towards things. People need to see and feel and touch and breathe like possibility. And that's where I go back to like that sandbox Mm -hmm. that PD is. The second the second um, lesson that they identified is that change requires a broad and diverse coalition of people united around common purpose and shared values working together to translate insights from points of possibility into policy and practice. Mm. So that's where we get into the second piece of what I think professional dimensions does. Pretty obvious, broad and diverse. Mm -hmm. Diverse is huge. We we had to build that. We grew from 10 to nearly 30 percent and just like within the first year of being there in a pandemic. And I think that that shows that. One, it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's totally possible. And then when you look at how intentional we've been about supplier diversity and incorporating the needs and desires of that diverse coalition, so that they can be included and that they can be, belong and be joining leadership roles. Yeah, like that's what we're that's what we're after. And then taking those taking those models and taking them into our respective areas. So having women that are in policy, having women that are in education, having women that are in healthcare, Mm -hmm. community work, and saying, now, what does this look like in your practice? Because that's where you start. And then the last piece that they talk about is that the effort has to be shaped by those who are most directly impacted by the injustice and led by those with personal proximity to the problem. And so that's, again, getting at Us being around it, that's getting at our signature project partners and saying, how are you at the table, setting the vision? And then how are we with proximity towards that, moving it? So, like, I feel like that's some of that's such sound theory that Mm -hmm. I that I really tried to, like, mold and understand professional dimensions through that lens. Because I just think it's it's true of so many systems change movements that we've seen. Yeah. And it's 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 summarized very, very clearly in that way. Whew. Yeah, that I put that's it on powerful. there because a podcast. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I need to let that breathe right. a little I bit. Know, a <laughs> because yeah. the systems change work mm-hmm. is really the heart of transformation. And, you know, as, as much as these conversations are in the box, I think around equity, diversity, inclusion, we hear that the Mm -hmm. truth of the matter is I want to blow the box up yeah, because I recognize that it gets sort of rooted in programs, initiatives, Mm -hmm. this thing that we're doing, and it has to be literally changing the system, Mm -hmm. driving the change that, you know, is, is generational. And so for you to look at that from the lens of running this or not look at it, but understand mm-hmm. number one and that it drives how you do what you do um, is pretty powerful. I want us to talk about education. Yeah. That was a perfect Let's transition. Do it. Let's do it. So education, all things education and equity um, are near to both of us. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I can look at our converging circles of where some of our passion points um, certainly have, have a line, and you've described yourself as deeply rooted in who we are as a people and how that drives that systemic change. Mm-hmm. How does the work you've done in education, so Teach yeah. for America, other places that mm-hmm. you have touched, you're, you have taught at Alverno, a number of places, how does that, has that influenced you personally and professionally?
2: Wow, a lot. Education and the education system, I would say, was my first kind of introduction to systems. Mm. And I think it's such a great example. It's very tangible. You can see the different levels of the system from students and parents to teachers to administration. And you can kind of draw parallels within any system, like kind of from direct service to, to middle management, to those creating and upholding it, mm-hmm. to the policy and politics that impact what's possible within it. So that's, when I think about it now, it's almost like it was just kind of a system that mimics every system. But it's also ironically like a lever in the transformation of every system. Yes. So when you, we talk a lot about the social determinants, right, when you think about healthcare, when I worked as an EMT, and so was in the healthcare system at that kind of baseline service level i realized that there was a lack of education and that that was actually in in healthcare we call it preventative care but that we don't invest enough in preventative care mm. right and so i'm like okay that's education that's you know and then when you look at business and you look at how people want to grow all of the all a lot of the reasons why people were coming to professional dimensions was because of some of this learning that they had to do and wanted to do around how to advance and protect your company, honestly, because it became a liability if you were not well-versed in, in diversity efforts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there are things that needed to be learned there's, at every turn, even if it's learning about other people, if it's learning strategy, if it's learning change management, learning how to operate your brand There's learning at every corner. And I th- I think that one needs to be, it needs to be acknowledged and, you can learn a lot from understanding how people learn as an organizer and as a person that drives, you know, drives your, your organization. So teachers are are some of the earliest organizers. Mm. If you think about it, because they're learning how to tap into unique, you know, needs of their students and their constituents and say like, one, are you even in a mindset for learning? Like, how do I get you there? And then two, what are we trying to get after? Mm. So I think that there's like, so many skills um, that educators have, successful educators, that would qualify them to be CEOs of organizations just because of the way that they know how to manage, support, and inspire, and direct, and redirect mm-hmm. people. So education from, like, the system standpoint. Yeah. Outside of that, more personally, education was always kind of like the path to liberation, um, the path to freedom, access, knowledge, in the way that I grew up. Mm -hmm. I grew up knowing that that was, like, that that's the bar. Like, nothing else matters unless you're, you know, achieving in this space. Mm -hmm. And, like, we, on the flip, we also got to see the more effort that we put in. I had wins in education very early. You know, like, that's, I was excited that I could see the more effort i put into something the more i got out of it mm-hmm. um and it was very tangible it was like you either read this and study this and then you did well or you didn't and right. you didn't and you didn't so i think my relationship to education and to learning also helps me be an advocate for what that does to empower people it's how i built my own confidence it's how i built like love and relationships with people through sharing knowledge mm-hmm. um so i think education's always been kind of like a bedrock around really important things in my life. So that's why I care about it. And, and it's a pretty, um, pretty inexpensive gift when you consider all of the things that we could be doing for people, like empowering them through saying, let me share knowledge and allow you to know how to navigate this system. Because even though it's, we want to change it, it's not going to change overnight. That's but, right. But what can change is, like, your knowledge of how to move in it. That's it. And that's, to me, that's the education when I think about professional dimensions and what our women know. It's, like, beyond, you know, when we're thinking about pay equity, right, like, knowing that that's an issue Mm -hmm. is, like, the first step, like, because you, nobody's going to come in and tell you, hey, I'm paying you less. That's right. Just so you know. Yes. And it's not fair. And here you go. Like it's, it's usually not like that, right. but like being able to know and learn and know what to do when you find yourself in that situation is just as important as trying to change the system so that it doesn't happen and it actually does change the system over time. So that's good. That's kind of my relationship to education.
1: I love that. And so much of that shows up in how you lead so mm-hmm. much of the learning and the education, and building awareness mm-hmm. shows up in, in all of your leadership. And you know, speaking of your leadership, I just I want the listeners to know. Right. <laughs> as you have heard in this conversation, clearly the knowledge, the wisdom illuminates from Miss Lauren Feaster. But I just want to, you know, lift some of these incredible accomplishments <laughs> that we um, and I'm sure that are a part of your resume. But as humble as you are, I'm just going to shout them out. Since arriving at PD, membership is at a record high. You talked about in that first year. Mm-hmm. Membership is at a record high. PD is inclusive of business, nonprofit, academic, government, and entrepreneur leaders representing more than 300 companies in more than 30 industries. 29% percent of the members are women of color and more than a third of PD and PD Charitable Foundation Board, which I Am on that board. Um, Seats are held by women of color. And PD is a staff of two people. Two. Let me just say that (laughs) one more time. (laughs) Professional Dimensions has two people. And for a minute, maybe it was just Lauren for a (laughs) moment. For you personally, what out of all of these accolades, out of all of these accomplishments and recognitions for your work and your leadership, what is the most gratifying thing? about all of this incredible progress and Mm -hmm. these achievements.
2: Thank you for that. And um, I think the biggest, the most gratifying thing about this is really being able to elevate and uplift our mission, our mission, our vision, and values of professional dimensions. I think my responsibility and opportunity is to be a model of the professional dimensions woman. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I try to aspire, and I have to be very conscious about being that example, that tangent that proof point right it is possible it is possible to these aren't just aspirational values Mm -hmm. and goals like it is possible to live this and there are so many members in our organization that do this on a on a daily basis and to make just living our mission vision and values habitual so that is and like that changes the system right and so being multi-dimensional which we've talked about before trying to be courageous trying to be fair equitable and conscious and loving and bold like all of the things that you think of when you talk about a professional dimensions woman that's what i try to be so having this opportunity to uplift this is like look everyone you know we can be these things and be recognized mm-hmm. um even in a society that doesn't always celebrate that package that's it sounds great. nice but it's not always celebrated that is the truth that's like that. so it so it's so it's not back to education things are driven through reinforcement mm. when we're not reinforcing things like that it, it it doesn't encourage people to strive for it but when we do reinforce those characteristics yes it lets others say wow i can be that i can aspire to that and i will be recognized as well Um, And I'm not always fighting the current because there are leaders that embody who I want to be as a human and not just who I have to be as like a as a, you know, a producer in this system. Yes. Um, So to me, that's that's what it means. And it, it allows for you to to uplift those types of metrics. So like, how are we measuring inclusion and supplier diversity and how are we celebrating leadership development and. Member giving and philanthropy and all of those things that don't always make it to your Forbes, you know, Fortune 500 list as a metric, but like matter so much. How are we? Are people happy? Are people confident? So being able to bring this back up into the conversation by way of a platform that Mm. that's provided by these awards to me is just that's the most gratifying piece.
1: Lauren, I so appreciate you as you talk about Really this piece, I think, around the collective we and the platform to advance what I love. I mean, there's a few things that I love about you. Your heart, your commitment, the joy that you bring. I mean, aside from just the boss that you are, it also is this desire that if I have been given this opportunity and this access and this platform to lead, I am going to use that for the betterment of my community and Mm -hmm. to advance my personal mission and values. But it always is aligned to the broader community.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it is rare, and I know we didn't talk, (laughs) it is rare that we have within our communities, and I won't even argue that this is a Milwaukee or a local thing, that people look at the platforms that they have been given as an opportunity to leverage the needs of community and not just themselves. And I can Mm -hmm. have a longer, Mm -hmm. different conversation about what it means to not only walk in a level of humility, but also bossness and expertise Mm -hmm. and unapologetic, but being able to center that there is something greater than me yeah, absolutely. and just my needs or just my aspirations, or maybe, you know, it is aspirational to be aligned. But I just want you to just speak to why that is such an important part of your walk and your journey is that, you know, I know that for me, I know that I've been positioned on this planet to be a change agent. So it's very natural for me to feel like, okay, this has to be about, some other things that are yeah. beyond just what Tammy's agenda is or that my agenda has to include mm-hmm. <laughs> these broader questions from, you know, my lived experiences. And I just I just want you to share what use of your platform has meant to you for sort of those larger systemic challenges and issues that you can affect.
2: Yeah, um, it's just a great responsibility. It's it's like um, the types of relationships that I think I build with folks throughout my journey, one, they're all important to me. Like, I mean, rather I bumped into you visiting a school and you were just there doing it in the classroom to like, if you were a meeting I've been trying to get for weeks and it's like, I carry the things that those folks say. And then, when get, when I'm at the table, it's my responsibility to bring those things up. Yes. Otherwise, I'm fake. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, yes. I can't sit knowing something, mm. knowing that if someone else was at the table, that they would be using that to to make their situations and the situations of others better. Yeah. Yes. And I think some of that comes from my when I worked in development because mm. I, I used to be really intimidated about making asks, but I'm like... Yo, if if one of these eight-year-olds that I'm making asks on behalf was here at this table, they wouldn't be hesitating because this is like their livelihood. Yeah. And um, why am I, you know, it's not about me. Mm. And that's the other thing with awards that makes me feel, it's so weird hearing that because I'm like, oh, (laughs) we've talked about this. I'm like, I am not, I am so grateful for the opportunity and platform that that these provide. At the same time, humans are not perfect. And sometimes when we elevate people, it's almost like they're this perfect person that did these things. I, I, I want us to celebrate choices. Yes. I want us to celebrate decisions. I want us to celebrate, like, actions that, the community that actually led to every single thing that made this award worthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's really what, really we should be giving awards to collaborative efforts that have led to. that have led to change. So I I like to think that I'm representative of the collaborate, the co the collaborative efforts. Yes. Um, And that I'm really just doing my job as a reporter, as a middle person, trying to make sure that people's needs are, are elevated. And I also believe that we're a product of like what we've been, what we've experienced and what we've been given. So like a lot of what I'm experiencing is just like my role. And if I had other experiences or, relationships or encounters I would be in the same position you know I would be mm-hmm. in the same position that that person is and I would try to be intentional about having enough of those interactions that I can be representative of that I can truly represent the people that I'm that I'm here to represent so that's good. yeah thank you yeah thank you
1: that model of to whom much is given much is required absolutely is is such a powerful powerful way to engage so I'm going to ask you to offers some advice as you are doing this work, mm-hmm. as you are using your platforms to advance change and the collaborative effort. What would you share with individuals wanting to get engaged in the equity work?
2: Wow. Man, I had a whole, this is a workshop. Come talk to me. <laughs> Other than, and it doesn't have to be professional dimensions. Mm-hmm. But you need to surround yourself with people who want that too. Yeah. You have to be around you have to be in community Mm -hmm. and process that desire with people who are going to encourage you, who are going to challenge you, and who are going to hold you accountable to that becoming more than a fleeting wish and actually being becoming a tangible action. Yeah. And then this the next thing I would say is start with yourself. Like, I think people think that they have to take on some grandiose, even getting through a whole book or whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it actually doesn't take all of that. Like, you have to decide, you know, think about who those people are and, and the spaces, the people that would do what you needed them to do if you gave them a call, like... You have power that's your that's that's a group that you are leading, whether you acknowledge it or not, so you need to come to terms with the fact that you are a leader, whether you're introverted or you don't like people or that's whatever right. it is that you believe. I'll spare my like introversion as an excuse <laughs> to not engage rant for today <laughs> but but do it in a way that feels comfortable to you, but know that you are a leader that's and right. you are responsible and and when you and inaction is action, that's it. So being able to just sit down and have a conversation with people who you love and care about and just talk about equity, just commit to talking about equity, defining it for yourselves. Mm -hmm. And then you'll realize that, oh, our perspective might be a little limited. There are other people that we probably need to bring to this table. Yes. Um, And other relationships we probably need to build that will help color the way that we're looking at this. Mm -hmm. And I think if you give yourself a chance to just have that conversation and speak it, what's next is going to come. And then you just have to listen. That's then good. you just have to listen. Yeah.
1: Cause leadership is influence. It's that's not right. a title. It is not a position.
2: That's right. Lauren Feaster, what gives you hope? You give me hope. Yay. My members give me hope because I've seen it. I've I've seen so much success in these things that I share. Like and that's why I can share them with so much confidence. I would not steer folks wrong. Mm-hmm. I've seen the success of being in community. I've seen the success in people processing very heavy experiences and beliefs and thoughts with each other. When I think about, like, our mental health crisis and, and how that impacts Black people, I think about our our distance from, like, the community that we were built to be a part of. But I have hope knowing that that's just that's the answer. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that's, like like, that's just out, you know, so hard to achieve. It's, like, literally being in community with each other gives me so much hope and that's where I draw my inspiration and hope from as well the things it's kind of like I said in the beginning of this conversation I'm like this is going to be healing for me this is mm. going to be helpful for me and hopefully a blessing to others too as they're processing their what they're navigating that's good
1: mm-hmm. so inspiring you are <laughs> what's on your reading, your reading list?
2: member emails <laughs> um. <laughs> I probably have a few in there. <laughs> it's on my list. I'm getting to it. I promise if you're listening today. Um, <laughs> no, um, I honestly, that is a, a lot of it. I do a lot of like articles or data research, things like that that I come across that are related to the work directly. I would say I'm excited about. We have a, so Professional Dimensions has a partnership with Teach for America. We have fellows. We have 10, um, young people that are, um, going through, we just launched and we're going through a leader, systems leadership fellowship. And they're, they're basically learning from, I've kind of identified key leadership moments in my trajectory and I'm trying to recreate those experiences alongside them as they think through what that means for their leadership, exposing them to different sectors in partnership with PD, exposing them to different professional dimensions, talents, and women as they figure this out for themselves. But we're going to probably be taking on emergent strategy, which is Adrian Marie Brown. It's been a while since I've picked that up. So that will be like a to come if folks want to join in on reading that. That's something I think we're going to be looking at soon. So fantastic. Yeah.
1: And certainly last but not least, as we come to a conclusion yes. on this conversation, you talked about being multifaceted. <laughs> Some folks... On the planet, know you as Lauren Feaster, That's right. CEO of Professional Dimensions, Taylor's mom,
2: right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then there is another side of DJ Lolo,
2: yes, yes,
1: who is sp- on the spin, right? And yeah. so I'm asking you, what's on your
2: playlist? Let the folks lots know. lots of things that feel good, yeah. Beyonce, uh-huh. Lauren Hill. Kirk Franklin, mm. you know, things that just keep me hopeful and, yeah. and empower me. And I would also say that sometimes Frozen and other Disney soundtrack, <laughs> against my desire sometimes managed to make their way onto playlists. <laughs> oh, I am
1: certain. You, you know I how am, that goes. I do. <laughs> we were happy feet right. back in the day. Oh, right. That was See? the playlist.
2: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Everyone's pulling their little Spotify, like, list, and I'm looking like, what? what is on here how did we get here yep so thank you for asking
1: yes well thank you for being here thank you for sharing your journey thank you for your leadership thank you for your commitment this is not easy work but it is necessary and I just want to appreciate you over and over again number one for saying yes to us of course but secondly again for your heart and your commitment I appreciate you
2: I appreciate you and thank you
1: And we just want to appreciate all of you that have been listening to this edition of On the Edge of Equity, powered by Athena Communications. Until next time.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Edge of Equity. Please join our email list at info at athenacommunicationsllc.com so you don't miss a single episode. The link is also in the show notes. You can also support the show by sharing it on social media with your personal and professional networks, suggesting guests and topics for us to spotlight and engaging in crucial conversations about systems change.